the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're a Christ follower, would you spend a couple minutes asking God to give you His eyes? People around you maybe be going through stresses that you don't even imagine, that you would see them with tenderness and grace and mercy. You're going to come across couples that may be on the edge of ending a marriage and nobody knows it. Would you ask God to help you see with eyes of love? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I hope that you have had a good week seeking to be that neighbor that God created you to be. In fact, last week we talked about some things that could help you in that journey. We, we talked about praying to the Lord of the harvest. Remember that prayer that we learned from Luke chapter 10, verse 2? Remember what Jesus said? The harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest field. And so I told you that one pattern for your life could be just to pray every day at 10.02, whether in the morning or in the evening, but designate that as a time of of harvest prayer in your life. Our staff does it in the morning each day, and that can make a difference. I also encourage you to go online to blesseveryhome.com. And when you go to blesseveryhome.com, you can literally pray through your neighbors, uh, just as I did this morning. And uh, it was pretty cool because, again, there were neighbors that I've gotten to know some that are not a part of our church, but are here in our community, that I had a chance to pray for them, knowing some of what's going on in their lives, uh, even today. And then we talked about going out into the harvest field, and, and I, I need you to know that yesterday we had about 100 folks that gathered and did just that. They came together in fellowship and were encouraged, and then we spent about only about 30 minutes just in a time of, of training and preparation. In fact, we used a simple tool. Uh, I'm wearing it. Not this nice cardigan, but this little uh, this band that has many different colors, And we just talked about how simple it is to share the basic truth of the gospel, that we're all sinners uh, in need of God's grace, that God loves us so much he made that possible, that we can have life with him, and that changes everything. And so then we went out into our community, and we began to share those simple truths just as we took opportunities to pray with people. Did you know that 30 teams went out into our community and did that yesterday? And they prayed with people just like I did with Sherry. When I prayed with Sherry, and she talked about just uh, how every day she wakes up and just thanks God that, that she's alive because he recognizes there are many who didn't make it through the night. 
And, and so we took that opportunity. Hey, I want you to do me a favor. Save the date because on October 20th, we're going to do the same thing again right here at our church. We're going to meet in the FLC, but we're going to join with churches from all across Tampa Bay to do that because that's during a week-long period when churches from many different denominations are coming together and just going out into our communities. And we're not inviting people to particular churches. We're just asking them how we can pray for them. And if the opportunity allows... We share, we're sharing what it means to have a lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I hope you'll consider being a part of that. Well, today as we continue this series, Won't You Be My Neighbor, I, I want to take a turn on what is a familiar phrase. You've heard this phrase before. You've got to see it to believe it. In fact, growing up in South Carolina, we had kind of a, a southern twist on it. We would say it something like, you ain't going to believe this. You've got to see this. And, and maybe that's the way you've gone through life because a lot of us are, we're skeptical and we think, yeah, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. And that goes over into our faith journey. We don't really live out our faith until we see God answer prayers the way we want him to. In fact, uh, yesterday I heard that story. I heard from someone who, who said that they had, even as a child cried out to God and, and their prayer didn't get answered the way they wanted. And for many years, they wandered away from the faith that had been instilled with them because of that. Well, I want you to see that God's word teaches a twist on that familiar phrase. God's word teaches us that you've got to believe it to see it. That what you believe literally changes the way you see things. And I want you to understand that in the context of one of the most familiar stories in all the Bible. Up there with the story of the prodigal son is the parable of the Good Samaritan. So take your copy of God's Word, whether it's in written form or whether you've got it digitally. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 25. Find pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, something you can write with. Take that note sheet or something you can write on and follow along with us as we talk about what it means to understand you've got to believe it to see it. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, last week we talked about this. This was a lawyer. That means he was a student of what we call the Torah, or those first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that Old Testament law. He knew it from front to back, and so he was really trying to test Jesus. If you're a God, like you say you are, then answer this one. And so for most of my life, as I hear this story, we always see this guy put in a bad light. And rightly so. But we forget how we're in that same boat. How often we test or tempt God. God, if you're really there, then do this. And, and then maybe I'll follow you. Then I'll be faithful. Then I'll do what you want me to do. And so in his case, he asked him a question about the law putting Jesus to the test. Now, I have to tell you, he did ask him life's most important question. Last week, we learned that he got a little confused because he says, what do I have to do? Means you're having to do something to inherit, which you don't have to do something, eternal life. But it was important because he was dealing with this idea of eternal life. I want to ask you, do you know the answer to that question? The answer to what happens when I die? In other words, if, if life as you know it were to end today, do you know where you would spend eternity? What's your answer? 
In Scripture, these phrases, eternal life, that's used to describe heaven. It's used to describe what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. This is the way that God communicates with us about our forever. Isn't that a question you're interested in this morning? The, the truth is, probably about everybody I've ever met is interested in the answer to that question. What happens then? What happens after this? Is there more than what I'm experiencing right now? And the older you get, the bigger a deal that question is. The more you begin to to think about heaven. Occasionally I'll have a chance to go to a a nursing home and to be a part of a worship experience. And and you know what I I know when I gather there in a nursing home? Those senior saints, they love to sing about heaven. Because you love to think about What's happening next? Well, I've got good news. Did you know that Scripture is written so that we don't have to wonder about our future? Let me remind you where we stand on Scripture here in our church. We believe all of Scripture is God's Word. We believe it is inerrant. That means it is without any mixture of error truthful. We can depend on it. All of it is inspired by God. And listen to what it says in 1 John 5 and verse 13. It says, these things are written so that you can know you have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God so that you can know you have eternal life. God doesn't want you wondering about this all-important life question. So, don't raise your hand. Do you know you have eternal life? Are you living with that confidence today? Because there's no reason any of us should leave this room. There's no reason any of us who are listening to this message should walk away without the confidence of knowing we have eternal life. So I know we've prayed a few times already this morning, but I want us to pause and pray specifically about that question and ask God to do what only he can do and change eternity today, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come saying thank you. Like Sherry, my friend, said yesterday, thank you for waking us up this morning. We recognize there are many who didn't make it through the night. You're the giver of life, and we're grateful. God, you're also the giver of new life and eternal life, and for that we're thankful. I'm thankful today that I've understood that in spite of who I am, in spite of what I've done, because of your grace and your forgiveness and mercy, I have life. And should this world end for me today, I would spend forever in heaven, not because of how good I am, but only because of how good and gracious you are. Thank you, Jesus. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now, 
We continue with our message. Here's my simple prayer. As clear as I know how to pray it. God, if there be a person in this room, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl that is listening or watching this message, God, would you allow them to have that same confidence today? May none of us walk away with the uncertainty of our forever. So God, that means if there be a person here who is blind spiritually, would you open their eyes? If there's a person here who is lost spiritually, would you help them to be found today? If if there's a person who is dying and, and as your word describes it, is dead spiritually, would you save them and raise them to new life in Christ? God, we recognize that that's the greatest miracle that you could ever do. So what we're asking is that would you do the miraculous right here, right now, today? We ask that not for our benefit or not for the sake of this church, but for your name and your fame and your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look at verse 26 as we continue to read. Jesus gives a clear answer to that all-important question. He said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? So so don't let the significance of that moment be missed on you. A lawyer, an expert in the law, some translations say, asked Jesus. (laughs) So Jesus says, okay, expert, what do you think? Last week, we learned that because he was an expert in the law, he would have probably been orthodox in the Jewish faith, meaning that he would have had a phylactery either on his forearm or on his forehead that would contain what is called the greatest commandment, the command that would come from Deuteronomy or Leviticus, the command that would say, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And so he answered verse 27 and said, you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, this is Jesus, said to him, you've answered correctly. Notice his phrase, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Say that short phrase with me, do this and you will live. Let's say it one more time. Do this and you will live. But he, the man... Desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? We've learned that any time we try to justify ourselves, we get into trouble. By the way, you don't have to be spiritual to understand this important relational truth. Just try it out. You get in an argument with someone you care about. You do something wrong, but rather than admitting that you're wrong, rather than acknowledging your fault in the situation... Try to justify yourself. Try to say, well, I did it because you did, or I did it because I'm going through, or I did it because you don't understand my, you're justifying yourself. And we always get into trouble when we try to justify ourselves. This is especially true spiritually because we're trying to do something we cannot do. Because to justify means to be rectified or to be made right with the law. And so this lawyer would know the same thing that you and I have to know, that when we look to the laws of God, we can never live up. 
We can never meet the standard that God has set for us. So Jesus sent him to the law so that he might have that recognition, so that he might have an aha moment. You know what an aha moment is? Sometimes, hopefully not seldom, do we get those in church where we're listening to what God is doing through the worship or through the preaching of the message, and we go, aha, it clicks, I get it, I understand. And so Jesus was hoping he would have an aha moment where he would understand that he was looking to the law to recognize his need for a savior because he could never obey the law in and of himself. He could never justify himself. But even after he answered the question correctly, the man did not have that aha moment because justifying, seeking to justify himself, he said, who's my neighbor? And I'm sure with a smile on his face, Jesus began to answer the question. Verse 30, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when, we, when he saw, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite. And when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then Jesus said, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he, the lawyer, said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. I love this story. And I have to tell you, as we think about our society and all that we're facing, there are few stories in Scripture that are more relevant today. There are few of the teachings of Jesus that speak more to what's going on in our culture. I I haven't seen a time in my lifetime. There has been, but not in my lifetime, I don't think, where our society has been more divided over politics, over race, over our differences. And, And Jesus is speaking to how we look at one another in light of and in spite of how different we may be. Remember the context, a Jewish lawyer coming to a Jewish rabbi, Jesus, with a question. He answers the question correctly, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 19. He knew the answer, but he was missing out on the truth. Did you hear that? It's possible to know the right answers to life's questions and still not do the right things when put in the circumstances before you. Don't miss that. We can be educated beyond our obedience. Some of you are like me. You've grown up in church. You've heard the stories, the teachings of Jesus. But when you look at your life in the mirror of God's word, you see yourself falling way too short. Don't fail to realize it's the truth you know. It's not the truth you know, but the truth you obey that makes a difference in this world around us. It's not the truth you know, but the truth you obey that makes a difference. That's why Jesus said, do this 
and live. Unfortunately, same problem the man had, we have. As mentioned a moment ago, you'll never be able to do all that God wants you to do. You can't love God the way he wants you to love him in and of your own strength. You can't be the neighbor God wants you to be, as described in Scripture, in and of your own strength. You need his grace. You need his mercy. You need your power. So Jesus tells a simple story to show how to experience life the way he wants it to. That's why I love Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers used simple truths and illustrated them in very simple ways, like with Daniel the tiger. Truths like, hey, be kind to one another. Truths like, tell the truth. (laughs) Truths like, hey, we're different. We look differently, but we can still be nice. And Jesus told a simple story to demonstrate what it meant to both love God and love people and see people as God sees people. And so we're on a four-week journey. The first week we talked about becoming or being loved the way God wants us to love. And so we took that great command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and, and realize that God wants us to be consumed with love. In fact, he wants us to become love, right? And that makes sense because we're supposed to become more and more like Jesus. We're to be transformed into the image of God. And what is God? God is love. So the first week we talked about becoming love. This week we're going to be talking about seeing love. Next week we're going to be talking about feeling love. And then the following week, showing love. All of this simple truth, but maybe the most profound part of what it means to live out the Christian faith in our lives. So Jesus tells a story they could relate to, a story that took place on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, a 17-mile journey that you could still take today. I took this journey just a few weeks ago from some of our friends when we went to the Holy Land. It's an interesting journey today. You still see the barren land, the rocky soil of that area today. Today you go through a tunnel on a paved road, and, and then when you come out of that tunnel, you see the hills of Jerusalem in front of you. And that day, the, the roads were obviously not paved, and they were very dark and dangerous, rocky and abandoned, not the kind of place you would want to find yourself, especially because of the, th- the thieves and the robbers who would dwell there. King Herod had laid off about 40,000 temple workers. What happens when people get laid off? They get depressed and often desperate. The same thing was true 2,000 years ago. And so crime began to breed on this 17-mile passageway. And so it was not uncommon to experience what Jesus would describe in this story. We don't know if this was a parable or if this was a real-life event, but the words of Jesus would certainly be believable. And so he tells this story with three different types of people. First, he introduces us to the thieves. Then he introduces us to the religious crowd, priest and a Levite. And then he introduces us to a good Samaritan. Think about those for a second. What about the thieves? What did the thieves do? The thieves abused. Now, some of you have been a victim of abuse. Maybe as a child or a teenager, perhaps in a marriage, you've experienced what it's like to be at the hands of an abuser 
What does an abuser do? They take advantage of those who are weak or are vulnerable or have less at least seeming power than they do. They take advantage of their position or of their prominence. And abuse may be physical, it, it may be sexual, it, it may be emotional, it may be verbal. I want to remind you, because this has been a conversation in our society for this last year, if you're a Christ follower, there is no tolerance for abuse of any kind. There is no excuse. There's no justification. And if you are up under abuse of any kind, we encourage you to seek help and get help because that is not God's design for your life. Maybe you've experienced abuse. Maybe you've been the abuser. So maybe in this story, you can relate to that person that caused the pain. I want to make sure you understand, even if that's you, God deeply loves you. He does not like what you've done, but he loves you and he wants to help you experience his grace and forgiveness and the new life that he makes possible. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.